Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. On this week's episode... The, the lesson was this. When somebody, ha- when somebody has something that you want, your upline, a team member, somebody who's super successful, and they're willing to show you how they got it, don't you dare reinvent the wheel. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com. Hey everybody, Richard Brook here for yet another Hero Maker Call. Bliss Business, every once in a while, we deviate from interviewing a hero in network marketing, somebody that's built an extraordinary four-year career, and we go out and we find somebody that's a hero maker. And a hero maker is somebody that has graduated from building their own four-year careers in network marketing to coaching and teaching and leading and inspiring other people from all companies uh, to do that. And so, you know, we're highly selective when we look for a hero maker because uh, ethics and competency and integrity is job one if we're going to promote somebody to you that you might want to listen to outside your own company that can coach you and teach you how to build an empire. And to that, tonight, we have the opportunity to interview the one and only Todd Falcone. And most of you probably listening have heard of Todd. You've probably tapped into some of his stuff. You've heard him speak at GoPro or your company convention, or perhaps you've tapped into his long-running, believe it or not, 50 years in a row every Monday night live training call that he does, which you can find out more about at toddfalcone.com or thefearlessnetworker.com, which is kind of his cool brand. So Todd has an amazing story in our profession. Here's a couple of interesting things about Todd. He's about to turn 50 years old. And his entire business career is network marketing. That's all he's done since the age of 22. And he and I just realized pre-call that we both started at the age of 22. And we also realized that I have more years on him because I turned 50 a long time ago. But, you know, how about that? That's pretty extraordinary, 22 to 50 years old. That's all he's ever done. Uh, He's built uh, successful organizations in multiple companies. And, you know, sometimes people ask, well, why is that? Well, you know, none of us have been uh, clairvoyant enough to always pick the right company to build in. And sometimes we believe in the advertising and we go build a company and then we find out it's not true. And then sometimes companies just eventually don't make it. 
But there's very few people in our profession that have the skills and the motivation and the internal fortitude to actually build a, a four-year career or beyond more than once. And you know, Todd Falcone is one of these people that we could we could put in an airplane, give him a parachute, we could fly anywhere in the world, kick him out of the airplane, have him parachute into a city. I can promise you this, within a week, he'd have 15 or 20 people in some kind of meeting room, and within a month, he'd have 100, and within a year, he'd have 1,000 people in his organization, and he'd be making rock star income. He can do it anywhere, anyhow, as all of you can, with the right skills. And so Todd's one of the few people in our profession, I think there's probably a handful, maybe maybe there's eight or ten at the most, generic coaches and trainers that really, really know their stuff, not because it's good theory, not because they're good speakers or good writers or good social media people. It's because they've done it. And they've done it multiple times in multiple companies, multiple products, multiple marketplaces. And that just gives them immense wisdom. And he's one of the guys that has that. And he's, he is uh, right now moving from the Scottsdale area back to what is his spiritual bedrock home, Western Washington in the mountains of Western Washington. This is a guy that loves to surf. He loves to fish. He loves the outdoors. He loves to coach. He loves to speak. He loves to train. He loves to write. And he, he loves to make a difference for people. So how's that for an introduction for you, Todd Falcone, Hero Maker? Are you there? I'm here, and that's uh, quite an introduction. I'm looking around going, wow, that's me? That's nuts. <laughs> I made that all up, too. <laughs> Been a long time, long time in the making. Yes, it has. An overnight success only took, what, 28 years? <laughs> going, I think, 26 or 27. I think I'm starting to lose count with my age, but uh, it's been a while. So, buddy... Uh, Tell us a story. I like, uh, I like to start all of these off with uh, people telling us, where were you, who were you, what were you doing, how old were you when you first heard in, in the way that enrolled you about network marketing? Oh, that's, an, that's a good question. Uh, I was living in Long Beach, California. I was uh, going to Cal State Long Beach and going through career fair getting ready to graduate. I was uh, selling cable television door-to-door, working a few nights a week and, and uh, having a good time with that. I remember I was sitting in my apartment uh, right off of PCH, uh, Pacific Coast Highway, Highway 1, and in the afternoon, and some guy that I did not know calls me up. And I, I literally remember word for word what he said. He said, my name is Jim. I'm calling you from Orange County Marketing Group. We're a marketing company. We're looking for people that can train and manage others in the expansion of our company. We want to talk to you. And I thought... I thought, what? You're searching me out. What? What? I didn't have. I didn't have my diploma yet. This is how green I am. How? How neophyte-ish I am. I'm thinking, wow, the world's pretty cool. You know, you're going to school, and as you're getting ready to graduate, they come and get you. And 
that 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 is that is the thought process that I had, and I remember getting all excited, and like I'm, they're hunting me down. I thought maybe Professor Harding, who is one of my favorite marketing professors, he said something, and I get in my car and drive to Irvine, California, eighteen two zero one Von Carmen Suite six ten. I remember the exact address. I remember walking in the building. I remember putting on my my blue crappy suit that I got from the May Company, and that was like the pants were so thick you could let go of the pants; they'd probably stand up on their own. My clip-on tie, uh, fifteen and a half fifteen and a half inch shirt with a sixteen inch neck. It took me like twenty minutes in the bathroom trying to get that last button jammed the the clip-on in there. Cut myself. A drop of blood is on my collar, and I'm like, oh, I don't even have another shirt, so I guess I got to go with it. And I drove, to, I drove to Irvine from Long Beach. And I remember walking in, going down the hallway. I was, the first thing I meted, met with is this woman behind a desk sitting right by the front door. Name, and I remember her name to this day. Her first name is Ellie. And she said, hey, what's your name? I said, I'm Todd. She goes, my name's Ellie. Welcome to Orange County Marketing. Can I get you something? And I was like, yeah. She gives, brings me a bottle of water and, and, or some, some water to drink. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. Somebody who's friendly. And what was interesting is I immediately compared it to there's a major rental car company that I was interviewing with as a manager trainee. In fact, they, they, they hire college graduates. And I remember having walked into that interview maybe just a couple weeks earlier, and I remember walking in. I was here for the interview, and I met whatever the person at the front desk, and she's like, well, you know, have a seat over there. And she, and she was just not nice to me. And I, and, I, and I sat, like, you know, of course, like she told me to do, waiting for my interview, and I didn't feel good. It wasn't a warm and fuzzy feeling, and neither was the interview, quite frankly. So immediately before I even know what job I'm about to look at, I felt good. And uh, a couple, you know, people started to pile into this like front foyer, and I started to get nervous, and, and my palms start sweating, and I'm rubbing my right palm on my pant leg to try to dry it off because I got to, you know, I got to, I got to talk to the boss, and you can't, you can't shake a, a sweaty hand. And my mouth is getting dry, you know, all this nerves, you know, it's like I'm first interview, really. Like, I mean, I, you know, I had what, Jack in the Box, McDonald's, Kelly's Restaurant, and, and you know, the first sales job I had was working for this cable company. And, uh, and they brought us into a room with like 50 chairs, uh, some funky gadgets on the side of the front, you know, the front side of the room, a big screen TV that they probably had to use a helicopter to get in there, uh, and a whiteboard. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird. I've never seen a job interview. I haven't really done many job interviews, but I'll go with it. I have no clue, by the way, that I'm about ready to sit down and see a business opportunity presentation for a network marketing company. No, and no, no, no family members, no friends, no nothing at all. And so I sat there and I remember just sitting, sitting there watching the presentation and I was getting totally excited as every moment, every minute of the presentation, no boss, unlimited earning potential, no, you, know, you, can, you can build as big of a team as you want, you can earn a percentage on all of the volume that your team does and that their people do, and I'm thinking, my goodness, what's not to get about this? This is great. <laughs> and the presentation was done, and I signed up. I mean, I was, I was ready to – and the funny thing is I literally maxed out my college credit card on my first, I had one card that they gave me because, like, they, you know, that's how they start you in school with, with, with you know, right. a life of debt. They give you a card and they go, here you go, we'll give you $500 to start with. Well, I hadn't put any money on it yet, so I maxed it out on one purchase and started with $500 in products. And then they gave me a convenience charge and I bought another 500 I started out with $1,000 in, in products in whatever, August of 1989, long time ago. Sounds like water filters. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It well, was. You got away cheap if you you got away cheap if they only sold you a thousand dollars worth. 
I would have done direct at five grand. I would have, but I didn't. I didn't have the five Gs, and I didn't have the resource to even come up with it. So you have it memorized. I want to hear it one more time because <laughs> I've never heard that pitch before. What did the guy at Orange County Marketing say when he called you on the phone? Well, it's funny because I talked to this guy about three weeks ago. We had we reconnected. About it. His name's Jim Wachowski, and he wouldn't mind me saying that. But he's like, he calls me up because my name is Jim Wachowski. I'm calling you, calling you from Orange County Marketing Group. I'm a marketing company, and we're looking for people that can train and manage others in the expansion of our company. And we want to talk to you. <laughs> that was the deal. And later, what I found out, you know how he found me? He found me going through a, a list of graduates. Like so, they have like people getting ready to graduate. And he looked me up in the white pages, and he found my name, and he called me. So it was basically a cold wow. call. Wow. And so, you know, here's what I love about those stories. And it's so awesome that you are back in, in contact with him. So, you know, I know you've done a ton of coaching on this kind of stuff, Todd. But, you know, the mental conversation that this guy Jim went through, which – you know, probably nothing to call you because he was calling lots of people. But for him to just pick up the phone and, you know, create a story in his head, all right, this is how this is going to go. Well, the worst this is going to happen is Todd's going to hang up on me. The best that's going to happen is Todd's going to show up to the meeting. He's going to get fired up about the presentation. He's going to buy $1,000 worth of product. He's going to get in. He's going to build a successful team in the water filter deal. And not only that, 26 years later, this guy I'm about to cold call is going to have impacted tens of thousands of network marketing leaders all over the world from one phone call. Crazy. It is. Pretty cool. So how many years uh, did you build as a network marketer and tell us, some of the crazy successes and failures. Uh, I built full-time as a network marketer for about 15, 16 years. Uh, I continued to build a little bit. after. I segued into, obviously, teaching and training about 10, 11 years ago, which we can talk about later if you want. But uh, yeah. uh, So about 15, 16 years of solid building. Some of the crazy things, I mean – I don't. I, uh, the, well, the first first company I was in, uh, which is a water filter company, I was I was within an organization where there was a very um, there was a lot of training, really powerful training that was going on within that organization. Uh, about a year and a half into that first build, the the head of that training company pulls all of us up, basically pulled all of us out, started his own company, and we moved over from one company to another. And I had barely any organization at that time, anyhow. So I, you know, I'd been uh, living on, you know, retailing water filters, trying to make ends meet and pay my rent and hide my car around the, you know, the corner from the guy who was going to try to repossess it because I wasn't paying my, my car payment, my $214 a month car payment, by the way. And uh, I ended up having to move home and live in the bunk beds. And i tell you something, this is fascinating. So I got to this point, they're moving all these people from this one company to another. I run out of cash. I mean, like, I got creditors calling me all day. And back then, the creditors calling, they were, they were mean. They were just nasty you to death. It felt like they were going to come and beat you up with a baseball bat. And I decided to move home and move to Monterey, California, and help out my family business to regroup financially. So I moved to Northern California, cut up all my credit cards, went to consumer credit counseling, moved into the bunk beds at my mom's house, 
And just, I didn't tell this part of the story, but the first person I called when I joined that company was my mom. And I called her up because I was the first kid to graduate from college and I found my career. So I called my mom. I'm going, hey, mom, I found my career. And she's like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? She's so excited. Her son found his career, the first son to graduate from school. And I said, oh, I went to this meeting in Irvine, and, and I'm, I literally called her right after I got home to my apartment. I said, there were, there were, you know, you can recruit people, and then you can build a team, and you can sell this product, you can build a team as big as you want, you can earn a percentage of that. She's like, oh, my God, you're in a pyramid scheme. If you do that, I'm going to make you pay back every last dollar of your college education. <laughs> she goes, that's a cult. That's a scam. If you do it, you're going to pay back every penny that I put into your college. So now that's what she said to me. But, of course, I did it anyhow. And she wasn't happy about it. I quit my job 90 days into my first deal. I, I would say that was a mistake because I was making about 1000 a week, knocking on doors, selling cable television as a 22-year-old kid. So here I am, 90, I'm thinking I'm going to be making ten grand a month in 90 days. Nobody told me that, but I picked, painted that picture in my head. And you know, 90 days later, I wasn't making anything. 12 months later, I was barely making anything. I was barely scrambling by, so I had to make a decision. I moved home, cut up my credit cards, living in the bunk beds, and took a job at the family radio station as an account executive, knowing full well, by the way, that I, was going, I wasn't leaving network marketing. It was like I had to regroup financially. So what was fascinating is I take the job, walk into the first sales meeting. I'm frowned at by the four account executives that are in that, in that meeting because I'm the owner's son. And I know they're thinking, oh, he's going to come in and sit on his butt and do nothing, or they're going to take accounts from me and give them to the kid. And they did, you know what they gave me? They gave me all the accounts nobody else could close, and they gave me the yellow pages. And they said, go out and do it. And what's interesting is I just put my head down because I had a lot of entrepreneur coaching. Maybe I hadn't made a lot of money yet, but the training that I had uh, early on was a different way of thinking than the people that were employees at my family's radio station. I came in, I showed up before everybody else, I left after everyone else, I prospected more, I worked harder, I worked longer hours. Uh, I just did things differently. I treated it with a – even though I wasn't the owner and I was never going to own that place because it was my stepdad's radio station, I treated it as if I was the owner. And very quickly, I started out-earning pretty much every other account executive in that market. And to find my sanity, within three months, I started looking for another network marketing business because I knew that's where I wanted to be. And the grumpy frowniness that I was experiencing in that employed environment, and I never knock anybody that is an employee. I I hate it when people use job just over broke. I think it's right. it's an insult. I think we have to stop doing that as a as a whole profession. But um, you know, I uh, I ended up finding another company, and and because my mom was so adamant about my you know having gotten screwed over by this company, you know that at least her perception was, I had to have my check and my auto ship sent to a friend's house because if they, that product came to our house, I would have been kicked out on the street, and I, wasn't, I couldn't even afford to pay my own rent yet. So my, pro, my, che, my check and my product was being shipped someplace else, and that's how I restarted in network marketing a few months later. That's crazy. So everybody out there, just map that on to like how you're going about building your business and your challenges, and you know, don't miss the nugget that Todd gave you there about work ethic and ownership, like, you know, the biggest mistake that people make, I don't know, it's got to be at least top three or top five mistake that network marketers make is, you know, they have the opportunity to become a multimillionaire on a part-time basis 
and maybe invest a thousand dollars might take them five six seven years to get there but they don't they treat it like you know a mcdonald's job they they just treat it like casually and you know todd got some great training some great distinctions from somebody that encouraged him to take ownership and treat it like a business and work harder than anybody else and you know that that's uh, it's really not hard to get in the top one percent of your company. All you have to do is work because most other people are kind of dabbling whenever they feel like it. So, Todd, tell us th what are some of the things that uh, that you did? What are some of the things that you learned that resulted in you becoming successful? So, you had a couple of false starts with companies that. We're not the right fit. <clears throat> How did you find the right fit, and what did you do with it when you found it? Uh, for me, I don't know if it was necessarily the right fit per se. It was just doing the right things within the structure that I was in. So uh, I remember when I found this new company, uh, two things happened. I actually I sought out network marketing the second time around. Uh, there were two different companies. One guy, and I told both of them, I have two years of network marketing experience. Now, you know, wasn't successful network marketing experience from a financial standpoint, but two years of having done network marketing. And one guy uh, brings me over to this golf course, and actually, Carmel Valley uh, was uh, Rancho Cañada Golf Course. Actually, you know that. Okay. And yeah. so we're sitting at the boardroom table in Rancho Cañada, and he lays out every product, every product brochure, every sales aid on this boardroom table, and I was overwhelmed. And I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much. And I, and I looked at that opportunity, and then I had this lady who met with me at a, some coffee shop, and she, she just brings this little teeny box that had a couple shakes in it and a couple other, other items, and it was very simple. And between the two companies, I chose the one where she kept it really, really simple. And that was a really quick lesson for me where I ended up joining. And by the way, this, the company I joined, they only got up to maybe 50, 60 million a year in sales. The other company ended up being a billion dollar a year company. They didn't get me because the guy was so, uh, was just he just gave me so much. He, he it was like drinking out of a fire hose. So I was overwhelmed with too much information and chose to go with someone who kept it simple. So that little experience for me, as I began that journey in that new company, I always remembered, you know what, I'm going to keep it simple and not to overwhelm people as I go about prospecting. And then I had an opportunity to to meet uh, one of the guys upline from me who uh, said, look, here's the deal. You go get somebody's interest. Go find somebody who's open and interested. Show some information to them and then bring them to me on a three-way call and I'll help you enroll these individuals. And I was eager. I wanted to win. So, and here's a guy that was winning. Here's a guy that was a major producer in the company. He said, look, don't just bring me anybody, but go bring me somebody that you've shown the business to that's taken a look and has an interest and then put them on the phone with me on a three-way call. And so I did that. And I did it over and over and over again. And that's actually how I learned to effectively enroll people because when I put individuals on the phone with him, I wouldn't tune out and go play video games. I would sit there and listen to exactly what he was saying and how he was saying it so that I could replicate that success uh, with my people in the future. So that's really where I got into the whole idea of utilizing three-way calls because in that first company that I built, we didn't do three-way calls. We had briefings and meetings and you know we invited people into live presentations and it truly was not 
an at-home business. This was me working at home uh, on an L-shaped desk in a one-bedroom apartment when I finally could afford to move out of my house, which was a, you know, a few months after, after I got started, and I could have my auto ship <laughs> shipped to my own apartment. But, uh, you know, and, and that, actually, it's interesting because in that apartment, in fact, it was, it was a, a one-bedroom duplex in Pacific Grove, California, where the second, where the garage, it was a single car garage, was, was converted kind of into another room. They, were, they threw a closet in there and some carpet on the floor. And that's where I, act, that's where I had my first $10,000 a month in network marketing was, was in a garage. And wow. there, you know, there's an interesting story around that. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I'll tell you that real quickly. But um, the, I feel the way that I got to that first $10,000 a month was – uh, when I started working that business, I had gone through my center of influence, which was fairly small at the time. And there wasn't like social media and other ways to like meet people the way we have today. Uh, you know, you could go to chamber events and things like that. And I, and I certainly did that. But I actually started working in the cold market a long time ago. So this is probably 1990, 1994, 1995, I started working in the cold market. And working, you know, working purchase leads before there were ever purchase leads. And I discovered that in my first few months of doing network marketing, and I looked back at like my first few months, I was broke, I was desperate, and I was acting broke and desperate. So my prospects, I think, they didn't say this to me, but looking back, I, I know that this was the case, they could feel my desperation and the tone of my voice and the way that the way I acted. So they're like, I don't want to work with this kid. I don't want to work with this guy. I can tell that he's desperate. So I was chasing money away. And I realized, well, that's not serving me. So I just decided to act differently. I decided to, you know, a phrase that we use all the time, I think that's misunderstood is, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, I think it's more about faking yourself out into believing that it's possible than faking the other person out by throwing some fake Rolex watch on and acting like you're making money when you're not that I thought that's what it was because I, in fact, I remember how it, t this is how stupid I am. I go back and there's some guy was selling watches way back in the day, my first like six months of being in this business. And I bought this $50 fake Rolex watch. I throw it on my wrist and I'm wearing it thinking I'm all cool and all that. And some guy comes in the office and he's like, Hey, he goes, is that a Rolex? And I'm like, yep. He's like, he's like, and I won't say the word. He said, he basically said the full, full word of BS. He goes, that's not a Rolex watch. He goes, Rolex doesn't make a watch that even looks like that. He goes, so you're making yourself look stupid. And I took that thing off and I threw it in the trash. And I never wore a fake watch ever again after that. It must have been ticking instead of sweeping. No, it was sweeping. It was just like a color combination that they wouldn't even – it was like black and gold or something. It was stupid. And, and – <laughs> You know, I didn't understand that. And, and so, you know, it's like interesting. Like we, as now, we hear, hear something from somebody and then we maybe misunderstand it, like the fake it till you make it thing. I, the way I got to my first $10,000 monthly check, and it wasn't necessarily consistent uh, at that early stage of my career, but it was just by acting. The, and how, I, thought, I asked myself, how would I act if I was making more money? I wouldn't act like this stupid idiot, like showing off my money. I would just – I would um, – you know, carry myself maybe in a more confident manner. I would communicate in a more relaxed fashion than perhaps I am or I have in the past. And that, I think, is what really led people to joining me because they could feel maybe some self-assuredness that wasn't really there yet, but at least I was acting as if I had it going on. Uh, and then I ultimately finally did have it going on. Yeah, that's, I think that's the key phrase there is act as if. Act as if you're already there and 
you know, the most attractive thing that comes from that is peace and confidence. And the most unattractive thing of, act, uh, of acting as though you're not there is just that desperation and um, panic and all of that stuff. So um, t- talk to us about pace of play, Todd. So your first $10,000 a month, that had to, you had to create some momentum there. There had to be a buildup of activity to get there. I don't know, three months, six months, 12 months. Doing the three ways, how many times a week would you put somebody on the phone with your upline? Oh, well, I wouldn't even say it was how many times a week. It was how many times a day. There were multiple times a day that I brought people to him on three-way calls. So it wasn't how many times a week. It was multiple times a day. How many times a day? I, don't, I can't remember how many times a day. I would say probably, uh, and, I, and this is still you know, working the business part-time because I was helping out my family business. I would still probably do three-way calls with him, three to five three-way calls a day. So just so you understand, so when I came home, and I, you know, I came home, took, found the second business, was at the family house for a while. Actually, that's where I met Carla. Uh, you, you obviously know my wife, Carla. And yeah. uh, she was working for an advertising agency. She ended up moving to Monterey. We moved in together way before we married. Her dad didn't like that, but uh, loves me now. Uh, that's another story. But we're living in, in, you know, in, this, in this duplex, you know, she doesn't even know what network marketing is, really. So I'm sitting here working for the family radio station the, during the day, and I come home, and I lock myself in this, you know, in this whatever garage for, you know, four hours a night. And, and she's just, you know, because this is what I'm doing. And one night she comes in, and I remember that she's, like, crying. And, you know, I'm like, what's up? She's like, I don't know if I can live with this. I'm like, live with what? What's going on? And she's like, you're going to go to jail. You're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a pyramid scheme. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I remember the conversation. She comes in and like she didn't understand it. She, I think her brother was in some deal, and she just didn't know what it was. And and so I pulled a check out that was sitting in my desk that had probably been sitting there for a couple weeks you know, from the previous month, and it wasn't a lot of money. It was I think it was somewhere between three and four grand from that month. And I showed her the check and I said, "This is what I'm doing in here." And she looked at the check. She's like, "Wait a minute." that's more than I make full-time in my job over at the ad agency. Can I quit my job? I'm like, no, heck no, you cannot quit your job, no. Uh, but that, that's like she, at that point, she let go, and she never, she never questioned it again. She, she, she saw the proof in the pudding, if you will, and she saw the check, and she knew it was real. And so she never, she, at that point, from that point forward, all the way until to this day, even as a speaker that travels all around the planet, uh, she's still very supportive of what I do. Uh, but you know, as far as pace of play, when I came home at night, it was, it was on like, like there was no messing around. It was immediately on the phones and I was busting through making calls and presentations and, and, and doing the revenue producing activity, not dilly dallying around. I remember seeing you speak one time and <laughs> I've used this example a couple of times. I won't ever claim that it's mine cause I know it's yours, but, uh, you talk about, um, <laughs> You know, all these people that treat their network marketing business like a kitty cat treats a toy, kind of swings by and they bat at it for a second, and then it swings around them, and then it goes in front of them again, and they bat at it again for a second. You know, you can't be successful in network marketing business by batting at it every once in a while. you got to get after it. So I'd come home, and I would make, you know, on a whatever night it was from 6 to 10 o'clock at night when I was home, I'd make, I don't know, I'd make 30 calls an hour. Uh, as many as wow. I could get it fit in that night. And, you know, I was probably, at the time I was primarily working purchase leads, but which enabled me to, to work through that many people. But 
then in between appointments with the radio station early in the morning, I would be, you know, I, I wouldn't go have lunch with a client. I'd go to a pay phone with a roll of quarters, and I would pull my prospect list out, and I'd make phone calls. Wow. That is, that's, that's serious, motivated, tough duty right there. Not a lot it's, of people would do that. Yeah. I wanted to be successful in network marketing, so I was willing to do whatever it took. Badge of honor. That process of talking to that many cold leads, how many people did that have you end up personally sponsoring a month, roughly? Um, I, don't, I would say 10 to maximum 20. Which is which is a lot. I mean, that's that's a pretty good number. I would definitely I would recruit ten to twenty people a month during that heyday at uh, two hundred five Thirteenth Street in Pacific Grove. Uh, wow. <laughs> somebody's going to write that down. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go drive by. Still got the purple door. It's still got the the fence the, that I fixed in the front. Um, single pane moldy <laughs> windows. Same single pane moldy windows. Right behind a great Greek restaurant too. By the way, I don't know the owners very well. We used to eat there all the time. Uh, but but also that just just to give some perspective richard that you know when i'm work, this is like 94 95 6 7 8 whatever during that time frame leads didn't even exist so right. while you still yeah. had to work through the numbers it wasn't like working leads today where you really have to work through the numbers so there were so the quality of the leads that were being pumped out and produced by lead generation companies back then uh were pretty good and there just wasn't well, a lot of competition they weren't internet leads, and no. they probably weren't sold to five different network marketers um, five different times. So, yeah, cool. Pioneering. Uh, it would be fun if we had that quality of lead again that people could purchase because, boy, if, if anybody ever figures that out, like, you know, who wouldn't pay five bucks a lead or ten bucks a lead? If, you know, you can convert one out of 10 or even one out of 20, it's worth it. So um, tell us, like, you know, what started happening for you? What did you start thinking about? Maybe you just noticed or people told you how good you were in front of the room or you just started thinking really strategically, you started creating training programs for your team. What had you start to get to the point where you wanted to work with people, your teams and other teams as well, and branch out and do generic? <laughs> uh, that was not even, that was never part of the plan. I, uh, I spent 11 years with a company that I did really well in and I was hosting a lot of conference calls doing trainings for the, the distributors within that company, not just my, my organization, but, you know, all the, the entire company. And I was doing, like, even I, I still do these on, Monday, on my Monday night calls. I'll do, you know, live prospecting calls about once a month where I actually prospect in front of, like, a 1,000 people listening to me. And I was doing yeah, those for on. this company <laughs> way back then. And, you know, I was one of the – that was just one of the main, like, trainers, if you will, for that company – and then that company went out of business. And when they went out of business, I was – and it wasn't like I knew it was really – we kind of knew there were some troubles on the horizon, but we didn't know when the last check was going to happen. And 
the last check came and you know I was playing golf like four or five days a week and surfing all the time and then there was like no check and it was like okay well uh, what are we going to do next? Well, fortunately for me, unlike a lot of network marketers, I didn't spend all my money. So I banked a lot of cash, and so that when you know the, 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 the winter season of my life came, I wasn't having to go get a job or try to get some bridge money deal to get into some new company. I just kind of went, okay, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. And I waited, and what was interesting, I waited and, and I lost probably, I don't even know, over a million dollars by waiting because my entire downline ended up going into another company and ultimately I ended up in their downline. So my entire wow. team, all my key leaders, it got flip-flopped and I was in their organization. And right at that same time when I you know, started to launch with this company, I had a guy who was uh, doing events, who I'd seen speak a few times, who said, hey, will you come and speak at one of my events? I'm like, well, what do you want me to talk about? He's like, dude, just come and talk about how you prospect and how you recruit and how you do your thing. I was like, oh, okay. So I did. I remember, I remember, you know, I remember going to San Francisco, California. I thought, oh, I'm doing a presentation. I better find out how to use PowerPoint. So I never put a PowerPoint. So I called him. I said, how much time have I got? He goes, you got 45 minutes. I'm like, okay. So I put together my first ever slide presentation, and it was 62 slides. <laughs> and I called him up and I said, hey, hey uh, I said, I'm pretty sure I got too many slides here. I, he goes, how many you got? I said, 62. He's like, he's, yeah, that's about 60 too many. I said, okay. So <laughs> I think I got it to like, I don't know, maybe 20 slides or something for that first one. But I was apparently good enough where somebody from that asked me to do a conference call for them. And then I got invited to speak again for him one time. And then somebody else asked me to do a call. I think it was like five or six events later while I'm still building my company, right? I was still, I went back into building in the field uh, somebody got, came to me at the end of a training and they said, hey, do you have any product I can buy? I said, no. I, I go, I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't even try to recruit you here anyhow because it's not the place to do it. He said, no, 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 no. Do you have like any cassettes or like CDs or something of you teaching this stuff? And I was like, no, I don't. He said, you, well, if you did, I'd buy it from you. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's when I went in the studio, ultimately maybe like, you know, six months later and I produced How to Win in the Game of Prospecting, which was my first program. And, and, and then I ultimately ended up, you know, walking away from that company. Uh, just, I wasn't, I never planned. People ask me this question all the time, Richard, like, how did you, you know, how was your, tell me how you executed your whole plan of being a speaker and a trainer. Well, I got invited into like this room and I got invited back and, and I guess I was accepted enough where they kept inviting me back and then I'm here. I never planned on being a speaker or a trainer. It was never part of the process or like the long-term game plan. It just is what it is, and I, you know, now what is it, 11, I guess we're going into my 12th year, I've been speaking, teaching, and training full-time. But it was never like, this is what I'm going to do. It just, that door opened up, and, and I walked through that door. And you're, uh, you're a global guy now. You're like 25 countries, you know, 10, 12,000 people at a crack, were some of the places you've been in the last year that were cool, cool big crowds? Uh, I think it was, no, I, don't know, I can't remember, maybe October. I was in Cairo, Egypt, spoke for about 12,000 people there. That was a pretty crazy deal uh, being there. I was in uh, Europe a few times this last year for some uh, Sweden, Iceland, Finland, Norway, the UK. Uh, I was back in uh, Budapest, Hungary in November, speaking for a pretty big group. Australia, went, went over to Malaysia, I think it was so many events, I don't even remember, but uh, I think that was in early December. 
But yeah, it's taken me, you know, it's interesting, the speaking and training thing has taken me literally all over the planet. I think I've spoken now in 27 countries. And what's fascinating is, you know, people, I remember talking to a guy in Pennsylvania like 15 years ago or something, or and I remember the call, he's like, oh, people in Pennsylvania, they don't do network marketing. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have a friend of mine that lives in Pennsylvania that does network marketing. He's pretty successful. You know, it's like this opinion that in our area, we're different, you know, and what I found is that in every country, I know culturally there's differences and languages and all of that, but people have the same struggles. You know, the, the, the belief in self, the you know, confidence in the business model, the confidence in themselves, they're you know, uh, uh, concerned, like one of the greatest fears that people have across the board in every country is the people being afraid of being judged by another human being because they're involved in network marketing. And that stems from their lack of belief in the business model of network marketing. Otherwise, we wouldn't struggle with that. We'd just step up and go, yeah, I'm involved in network marketing. Of course I am. So that's something that I found in every country that I've been in that people do struggle with is their, you know, their belief in themselves and their own abilities, which is across the board in anything that somebody might do in or out of network marketing, and then um, how they feel about the business model. They're in the business model, but then they're not opening up their mouths, at least at the level they should be, because they're they're afraid. Like, what if they judge me? What if they, you know, what if they don't like me because I'm doing a network marketing business or something? And then they they don't live their fullest life that they could be because they're letting their fears dictate their behaviors. So, what would you if if that was me? Uh, I'm somebody you're coaching, and it's obvious that. I can't get out of my own way because I might like my company and my products and my sponsor, but the reality is I just can't get a grip around network marketing. I've got, I've got baggage. I've got bad stories. I'm embarrassed by it. I can't stand tall with it. What would you tell me to do about that? Uh, I would say two things. Number one, you can look at the facts and the figures, and if you do look at the the numbers, you know that are coming out of the DF, you know, the DSWA, um, or world or the World Federation, excuse me, the World Federation of Direct Selling Associations. You look at the figures that are coming out. I mean, it's what is it, about 180 billion dollars a year globally, not 100 million people yeah. involved on a global basis. I mean, the 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 numbers should be enough for somebody to go, oh my gosh, this is. This is pretty big business. And then you can compare it to other industries, and people come to the realization that it's not some, you know, tiny little fly-by-night uh, industry. That's that's part of it, but I think more than anything, it's about um, taking baby steps. You know, let's. So if it was you, Richard, and you were like afraid to move, I'd say, well, let's let's go let's go meet some people. Let's go talk to some people. Let's go do it together. And we would go do it together, and I would help you past your you know, your fears of, of how you're feeling and you get past the call and maybe you made the call with me on the phone with you and it didn't go so well, big deal. It's fine. We're going to, we'll recover from that. Let's go make another one. And I would literally work with you to help you get past those fears. People all the time, what they do is they sign individuals up and then they, you know, send them to a training site and then they go, go do it. Go make me some money. They don't communicate. They don't say, Hey, go make me some money, but that's basically right. what you're communicating. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, being, you know, hands-on and actively involved with working with this new asset. Like anytime I bring a new person into a company, to me that's like an undeveloped asset. Uh, so I'm willing to work – before I – I don't need to go recruit some other new person. I want to work with you and help you create some success and some confidence and some abundance 
and then I'll go recruit somebody else. But I've got to I've got to help develop this asset rather than just throw you up against the wall like a piece of pasta, hoping that you're going to hang out for a while. Yeah, something as simple as just uh, no matter what you call it, we call it a, a strategy meeting. But you know, you sign somebody up, and of course, there's you know, there's a training program. There's things for them to watch and things for them to do, but if you don't sit down with them for two or three hours, either at one shot or a couple of shots in their first week, and, you know, just really talk them through the possibilities and, you know, here's where we can be in three or four months and here's what we need to do to get there and let's talk about who you know and let's talk about your product story and, yeah, I'm I'm constantly amazed at how many people I talk to that they say, well, you know, I've sponsored these people and nothing happens. And I say, well, you know, what are you doing with them after you sponsor them? <laughs> and mostly they're waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for them to, to do something. And that, you know, just a deep dive partnership, spending time with people and, you know, if that's whether that's talking to the first few people they have or just talking them through visualizing what there is to do. you got to partner with people. You have some fantastic tools and programs to help people do that. Tell us about some of your stuff. Uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of different training programs I've produced over the years, but uh, – the, I would say the, the newest thing that I came out with, which is about five, six months ago, is a book called Fearless Networking. Uh, I wrote it great, as that's a... That's a great book. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I wrote that really as a training tool. I wrote it to be short and easy to read. It's like 109 pages. And from page one to the very end, it's very um, action-oriented. It's very, you know, how-to. Uh, I wanted to, you know, when I started in this business, I wanted somebody to, you know, I mean... To, I want to do this, just show me or teach me or tell me how, how to do this. Uh, so when I teach and train, I'm very uh, direct and, and cut to the chase when it comes to teaching and training. So the book itself is very cut to the chase. It's about overcoming objections, inviting, rapport building, following up and closing. So it's, it's, it's very specific to the the four big problem areas that people typically have when it comes to prospecting. Number one activity, you, you and I both know this, is, is if you're not exposing your products, your businesses, your, 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 your business, your services to people, you're really not in, in the business. And so under that umbrella of prospecting, what I've found to just by doing this for a lot of a lot of years is that there's typical like hang up areas like how do we create a better connection and how do we you know simplify the invite and make it easy to actually have someone you know invite someone to take a look and how do I deal with objections and how do I what do I do when I follow up and if they show up and if they don't show up so that whole book is about all of that stuff so I produced that about six months ago um, that's done really really well the first book that I wrote which is kind of a book slash um, training CD combo is the Little Black Book of Scripts. And still, to this day, I think I produced it probably eight years ago, still one of my top sellers. Uh, it's my, one of my top sellers of all time and continues to – we sell a ton of those because it's also very how-to. It's like how do you talk to somebody in this situation, warm market, cold market, referral. How, if somebody invites you to take introductions on a conference call, there's a script for that. There's a script for your home voicemail. There's a script for literally every situation that you're going to encounter as a network marketer. And it just makes it, 
you know, a lot easier for people to not necessarily become script dependent. I'm, while I'm a huge proponent of helping people use a script to, you know, as, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, to training wheels to get started, um, I show people how to toss the script as quickly as possible so you can be your authentic self while following, you know, a pretty simple agenda. But having scripts is, is helpful. Um, two other things that I would just reference, and all this stuff is on my site at ToddFalcone.com, but uh, last September I produced a very comprehensive home study course, which is called Cracking the Code to Success in Network Marketing. And I did it because I was like, you know what, I've never actually produced like a full-blown a to Z, like Todd, if you were going to sit down and do one training on everything that you've learned about being successful in network marketing in one training course, what would it be? Well, it's inside Cracking the Code to Success. So I spent about nine months putting that together, uh, ended up producing it. It's, it's a big course, like 19 CDs in, in a six-volume set, but not for everybody. That's the kind of thing that's for somebody who says, look, I want to make a career uh, out of network marketing, and I want to be as good as I can, and, and uh, that's what that particular program is about. But there's a bunch of other programs that I've produced uh, that are specific to different areas, like Dynamic Divas of Networking, which is all uh, focused on, on women and the stories of successful women and what they've done, Insider Secrets to Recruiting Professionals, which teaches people how to recruit up the socioeconomic chain, how to go after talented people, uh, but depending on somebody's need, and everybody's needs are a little bit different depending on where they are in their network marketing career, uh, I have training resources that can help someone who's just getting started to someone who is you know, advanced uh, quite a ways in their earning, but they want to take their business to a, to a different level. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, all really, really good stuff. You know, my audience knows I don't endorse very many people I don't agree with very many people about <laughs> how to do this. <laughs> but your stuff is always just rock solid, golden, really pure, really, really good stuff. And anybody that invests in it and studies it is going to up their game significantly. Here's how I want to close this out. I want you to tell us in the building mode, building a sales organization, what is the dumbest thing, the biggest mistake you ever made? Maybe it was one-time blunder. <laughs> Maybe it was a bad habit. Didn't necessarily cost you money or sales, but probably did. But maybe it was health, relationship, credibility, reputation, integrity, What's the biggest blunder? Well, I've made plenty of blunders, and I'm still making mistakes to this day, but I can go right back to the very beginning of my career. I remember I was so desperate. I was working hard, not producing anything. I had this woman that came in for one of our briefings, and she said, I'm going to come back on Saturday. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to, you know, she was, she was coming back Saturday for the Saturday training and to bring her check or credit card or whatever. And I'm all eager. I'm finally getting, I'm finally got somebody who's going to sign up. And she did not show up on Saturday. <laughs> and I was so, I, don't, I was angry. I was upset. I was distraught. I was all these things. And I called her and on her voicemail, I don't remember what I said, but I went, Razzle, fragger, smacker, smacker, fragger, smacker, running out of air, running out of air, racing, and I just said, recording of that. 
I know. And I and so my desk phone rings like a day or two later and it was the president, CEO, founder of the company and he said, "Look, he said, I heard every word you used on that woman's voicemail." He goes, "That is absolutely unacceptable." He goes, "I'll give you a second chance, but if you ever do that again, you will never make a dime in this company or any other company in network marketing." Period. Click. Wow. It scared the bejesus out of me and I you know, I knew I made the mistake when I made it. But I can tell you right now and one of the things that I say all the time when I do do events is, you know, success is this. It's finding things that work and, and you know, and repeating the things that work and deleting the things that don't. So repeat what works, delete what doesn't. That went into the delete category and I never yeah. did it again. Never went off on somebody who disagreed with you or didn't show up. Wow! And she ratted you out. <laughs> she did. She called the company. Said this is this is what your representatives do. This is what you call professionalism. And it was. And he never called me before. Of course, I knew who he was. He was the, the, the head of the company, yeah. and he called me. Yeah. And I heard his voice, and I was I remember the voice, and I can I can ooh, it's taking me back to this feel because I remember yeah, it clearly. You can feel yeah. it. You can feel yeah. it right now. That's epic. What a great story. All right, what is the smartest? most brilliant, most profound thing, it may be pretty simple, or maybe it's like super creative, um, one time or a habit you got into that is primarily, primarily resulted in your success, and it may not be about money. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to answer it in story format because it's the best way to answer this question and I know exactly what it is. So when I and this I learned this lesson actually before network marketing. So when I got the job for the cable company, I met this guy his name is Fernando. By the way, my dog that I have today his name is Fernando after Fernando. In fact, his daughter said, "Did you really name your dog after my dad?" I said, "Of course I did." And so he comes to me, and I wanted to make money. This is, I was in college. This is how I got the cable TV job. I found out this guy is a 42-year-old guy. I've been in college in my history class, Fernando Avila. He always had a wad of cash, and I never had anything. I had candy wrappers in my pocket, maybe. And he said to me, he said, Keto, he called me Keto, 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 I show you how to make $1,000 a week. And I didn't know what he did at the time, and I was like, was it legal? And uh, he's like, listen, he goes, I sell cable TV. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll help you get the job, but under one condition. He goes, you do it my way. He goes, all the other guys, they work six days a week, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day a week. I work three hours a night, three or four days a week, and I out-earn everybody. And I said, okay. So he helps me get the job. We go out to uh, Garden Grove, California, get the back of his 1971 GMC panel van, and he pulls out a piece of paper, and he starts writing out a script for me. And the script is in Spanish. And he said, you need to memorize this because we only sell HBO and we only do it to, to, to uh, Spanish-speaking households. So I had to memorize this script. Hola, yo soy de cable de televisión. Vamos a ver en hacer todas las personas aquí con el cable. Damos un mes de prueba. Si le gusta, lo deja. Si no le gusta, todo es gratis. El HBO hospital de precio por dos meses. Cuando no le gusta, vamos a regresar. Todo su dinero la firma aquí, por favor. Now, I could have sped that up. but Now, here's the thing. That's the script. Anybody who's listening to this who knows Spanish is like, oh, my gosh, she's just selling me HBO for half price. But um, the, the lesson was this. When somebody, ha when somebody has something that you want, your upline, a team member, somebody who's super successful, and they're willing to show you how they got it, don't you dare reinvent the wheel. Don't do it 
your way. Oh, I'm going to, okay, it seems nice, but I'm going to do it this way. This guy said, look, I don't, these guys go knock on all the high-end houses, four or five-bedroom houses in Fountain Valley and Huntington Beach and all these other places. No, we're going to do Garden Grove. We're going to do Westminster. We're going to do these other neighborhoods, all Spanish-speaking, and we're going to go in here and we're going to do it this way. I didn't sell them Showtime, Movie Channel, anything else. It was HBO because they wanted HBO, and they wanted HBO simulcast in Spanish. So I did it the way Fernando taught me to do it. And the funny thing was, very quickly, he and I, I remember walking into the sales meetings. It was beautiful. Walk in. Every single time I walk around the corner, there's a whiteboard where they got the, the sales leaders, and it was Todd and Fernando or Fernando and Todd. And we were always met by frowny faces from the other people because they were like, what are you doing? And all the sales st stuck. It's not like you, we threw numbers on the board and then they got you know, reversed. They all stuck because it was just a system that worked. And so when it comes to network marketing, I took that lesson and brought it into network marketing. When somebody's willing to show you how they did what they've done, don't reinvent the wheel. Do it their way because you don't even have a way yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's mic drop stuff right there. Really, really, really good, Todd. We could easily go for another hour. I'm sure you got some more stories. <laughs> Plenty. Got great stories. You got great stories. Uh, thank you so much for uh, investing time with the Bliss Business crowd. I'm sure people got a ton out of it, and uh, I'm sure they'll check out your site and your stuff. And if they're very fortunate to catch you live on stage somewhere, whether it's GoPro or Mastermind or Believe or A&MP or wherever you might be, um, they're in for a huge treat. Thank you, my friend. Any final words? Well, I guess my only final words are thank you for all that you're doing to uplift uh, the level of professionalism and integrity in the network marketing profession uh, by bringing you know, interviews like this out and some of the other things that you're doing. Uh, I remember the first time I met you in person on a cruise ship uh, in the Caribbean many, many years ago. And, uh, you know, you've been a, a staple, uh, a mentor, a leader that I've had just ultimate respect for over the years and continue to, to have uh, just because of the way you do things. And, and uh, you are a true ambassador to the network marketing space, and, and I appreciate everything that you do, and I appreciate the opportunity of uh, being able to be on this uh, Heroes Call this today and, and, uh, and share with your audience. Yeah, thank you, Todd. Well, this is, uh, this is one of my favorites. You, you have fantastic wisdom and fantastic stories, and I know people get a ton out of this. We'll get a lot of comments on it. So thank you, buddy. I'm sure uh, you got uh, exciting places you're headed to and big goings on. And um, I don't know when I'll see you next, but I look forward to it. Talk to you Likewise. Soon. Thank you again, Richard. Okay. I appreciate the opportunity. Yep. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.